to episode 16, count it, one six, <laughs> of the Metabilis 2. Count them, just two yep. people, including one of them being me, Ben. And David. And I think we're continuing last week's or last episode's discussion yeah. of horror in Who. So we did a rapid overview of the 60s and horror and kind of set our minds to what, what is, what is horror. horror. Mm -hmm. And... It's used to keep the viewers from uh, wandering during the week. Make sure they showed up again on that Saturday evening to watch how would their heroes escape. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And, but I think with the advent of color in the 1970s, and I guess for most British viewers, it wouldn't have been the advent of color, even though it was filmed in color. Most people would still be seeing it in black and white. Yeah, we are, we only got our first color TV probably 19... 73, 74, mm -hmm. I think I can remember us getting it. Do you remember seeing Pertwee in color? Yeah, it must have been 73. Um, I think, I mean, the first Pertwee that I saw was, as I think I said, the Christmas rebroadcast of the um, omnibus edition of uh, The Sea Devils, which was at the S74-ish, so, yeah. Okay. But yeah, so we, here we are in color, and how horrific is this? Well, we get Bob Holmes, who... We, Bob Holmes, here he comes. He had an earlier earlier Troughton story, but yep. this is Bob Holmes doing horror. Yeah. We have Autons. We have zombies here in Doctor Who, a spearhead from space. We have alien possession. You know, we have... We, we're starting to see it really going after the viewer with uh, the ideas of horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, these are people who, you know, these are this is Invasion of the Body Snatchers. These are... These are pod people. These are these mm -hmm. people who look like your friends and relatives right. and your elders and your betters, but they're just plastic people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, perfect. And it's it's for it's the familiar made terrifying. It's it's what Stephen Moffat is so good at doing in 21st Century. Who? Yep. It's and Bob Holmes is doing it here with just plastic shop mannequins. Yep. Yeah. Coming to life and yep. out 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 to kill you. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I th I, I think actually. We look at the the other three shows from Pertwee's first season. My mind is very much colored. Well, certainly when I look at Doctor Who and the Silurians, is by colored by Malcolm Hulk's novelization Doctor Who and the Cave Monsters, mm -hmm. which is very much a, a horrific story. Certainly well, as I remember it. Yeah, and if you if you just watching it because I I watched it this past uh, week here. Yeah, and. We have a monster point of view with heavy breathing of the monster. That point of view is tri-split, and there's a blood tint. That whole heavy breathing of the Silurian attacking the farmer, that is a horror-type imagery with just from the monster point of view going after the people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And these are, you know, these are... These are trolls. These are mm -hmm. these are monsters from under the ground. Well, it's an um, ancient horror. It's almost Lovecraftian with this ancient horror. We're connecting with um, with Quatermass, um, mm -hmm. and again, I'm thinking Quatermass three, where you know humans are you know, mentally affected by their race memory of these creatures. Right now, again with Quatermass, these are Martians, and uh, you know the race memory is a is a more recent one. But here, mm -hmm. I, to me, it's even more horrific. We're frightened of the Silurians, or Silurians affect us because we can remember how horrific it was, how how cruelly they treated us when right. we were apes. <laughs> um, you know, so way, 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 right. way, way back, and it's it's almost um, 
this it's almost uh, it's almost two thousand and one. You know, this is kind of ape memory that we have right. here. It's two thousand and one. It's Planet of the Apes. It's 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 a very very effective uh, kind of melding of a whole set of uh, late sixties thriller horror TV tropes. <laughs> I'm reminded. You, do you ever watch uh, Second City Television? No. Okay, no. they had this was a, a comedy show in the late uh, '80s, mid '80s, and they had uh, a monster, chiller, horror, thriller theater. <laughs> well, there it is, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and uh, it was spoof Saturday night local non-syndicated television where they would put on a really bad horror movie and you know try to. <laughs> Try to scare the kids. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, and kids, then, scary stuff. <laughs> and then again, of course, halfway through the Silurians, we kind of zag desperately because he has seven episodes, so they've got to fill mm-hmm. it up somehow. We kind of zag desperately into like an entirely another horror genre, which is the which is the worldwide pandemic. Right. With oh, just a scene with Jeffrey Palmer as uh, masters exactly with, dying with those at, horrible skin lesions. Exactly and, dying outside Malibone Tube Station. You know, yes. uh, not uh, I think not to be fully. Uh, exploited until the mid 70s with Terry Nation survivors but um you know we're, we're right in the kind of John Wyndham John Christopher you know the kind of British kind of home counties apocalypse it's just a wonderful mashup mm-hmm. of, of just a whole bunch of super scary things I love it I love this alluring and it's very horrific like you said it's right outside a train station in London where it's very familiar to the Londoners or even people outside of London who may have visited the city coming into the train station this is how a disease would be exactly. spread exactly exactly I was wondering, we have Dr. Quinn, who, uh, Fulton McKay. Oh, Fulton McKay. Uh, yeah, and, but we have Dr. Quinn and his monster, and I kept thinking, do we, is this sort of like Frankenstein and his monster or something? And what, you know, because he's ultimately killed by the Silurian. And I think the novelization makes that really very clear. His, you know, the monster that he cares for kind of turns on him right. and, and kills him. But I mean, the psychological insights in the um in the novelization mm-hmm. and the adultness of that novelization i mean there's there's you know there's a one of the unit you know, i think it's the uh, who's the sergeant in Lester lawrence can't remember his name now but he's played by you know what's his name from blake seven the uh, sorry the captain um oh, I, the, are you paul darrow yeah i think paul yeah i think the paul darrow character Mm-hmm. Again, in the in the novelization, you know, has a kind of PTSD flashback to Northern Ireland, mm. and it's the it's it's a it's a really it's a kind of a, it's it's almost a quasi adult novelization. Well, see, that's that's very interesting that you said because in, in my notes here when I was writing this was the Silurians horror by execution and production by you know by the direction and rather than the writing. But what you're suggesting is that the horror was the intent of Malcolm Hulk there. Which is, again, I think is interesting because, I mean, uh, Malcolm Hulk is an interesting character and, you know, for every reason, obviously, we're sad that Mm -hmm. he's no longer with us. But for Doctor Who reasons, we're sad he's no longer with us because we can't ask him what the hell he was thinking when he wrote this. Right. He's not known for his horror in his, I mean, I think, you know, Bob Holmes really has the the kind of horror crown mm-hmm. but certainly there is it's this, this is creepy so silurians is horrific yeah right? exactly what... exactly you know and again even down to the end where you know the brigadier exterminates these right these eocenes by you know blowing <laughs> up their um blowing up their entrance sec- the secret yeah. underground base is kind of horrible right yeah 
So it's great. Well, it's, we want to we want to seal that ancient horror back underground. We do, we do, we do. It'll bubble back up again. So how about the other two in this what season Ambassadors seven? Ambassadors of death. I mean, there's some. It's I, I've never really understood the ambassadors of death. It's kind of there's too much of it. And I think it's a bit more of a and, yeah. I I'd see a bit more of a kind of a James Bond yeah, type it is of film more James Bond. Or, than horror. And yeah, okay, the the ambassadors of death are kind of horrific, and there are some horror type tropes when the rescue mission is entering the other capsule. You know what what exactly you're going to see. So I mean, there's there's these space horror things. But is it really a horror story? No, no. It's it's a kind of a spacey story. And it's like it's a first contact story is what it is. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, let's pretend there hasn't been any other contacts and let's do a first contact story, you know, which is fair enough. Right. And there's horror elements. Again, the show is playing with some of the horror tropes, but it's a mishmash of a lot of things and it's not a pure horror story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in the Inferno... Inferno would be more horrific, certainly to my adult sensibilities if the primords weren't just wearing those like plastic vampire teeth that you get out of christmas crackers <laughs> werewolves <laughs> and kind of had spray on hair um i mean actually it's a, it's a lot more horrific when you know they're in their quasi primoid form and they're mm-hmm. just kind of you know kind of vaguely green tinted zombie humans or you know right. a, a far, i mean they're basically fast zombies mm-hmm. um and then but they end up being Weirdly related to the Planet of Evil antimatter monsters. I mean, I'm sure there's like a, I'm sure there's something that one could do with like maybe the core of the Earth is antimatter, ah, um, or something. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you've read. I mean, there's an amazing fan theory which I really like. Which you know, if the core of the planet is this kind of green liquid that kind of regresses you in some kind of weird way or changes your physiognomy okay. um, that that it's entirely possible that the reason why that silurians exist is not because uh, dinosaurs evolved into sentient reptiles but by digging into the earth dinosaurs came in contact with the green inferno fluid and that kind of mutated them into silurians <laughs> ah, you see anyway yeah, interesting yeah, interesting anyway so yeah i mean it's got horror elements and the alternative universe thing is actually more that's 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 a sci-fi thing that's not a horror thing right well it it kind of would be a horror thing if it was more horrible I mean, right <laughs> i don't know <laughs> you know if they were more kind of i mean they're more like they're not really Nazis. They're more like communists, actually. And they certainly got Russian rifles. And it is kind of horrific that the Earth gets destroyed. But again, that's more of a, it's more of a sci-fi. So we get Bob Holmes again in the season eight for Atan Redu. And again, he's doing horror. He's doing horror. Yep, yep. It's horrible. Yep. The people get taken over. There's devil dolls. The That troll doll. Suffocating plastic chairs. Oh, suffocating plastic chairs. Still scary. Mm-hmm. Even after all these years. And I didn't see it when it first came out. But I, I've seen it, obviously, recently. And it's mm-hmm. horrible. Yeah, eaten by a chair. Every time I sit down in that kind of chair, I always think, "Wow, maybe it's going to eat me now." <laughs> and we get we get one of the one of the stereotypes of horror that the, the tyrant, the the main villain, the master introduced with Terror of the Autan. I mean, most most horror films have this this mad tyrant, this man, it's this villain, Christopher Lee. Yeah, yeah, right. He's got a goatee and everything. Yep. Yeah. And we get a type of a Christopher Lee with Roger Delgado with the master. He's a Satanist of some kind, exactly. And in, in that mm-hmm. fact, we go forward into subsequent seasons. He's literally, well, sorry, the end of this season. He's he's literally a Satanist because um, mm-hmm. he's he's conjuring up Satan. 
And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I mean, we, we're, full, we're full on, we're full on hammer here, basically. We're getting almost with the mind of evil, which is the next one. We're, we're getting kind of even the gothicness of the of the of the prison. And I think that's is the first line of Joe in episode one: is it looks like Dracula's castle. Dracula's so castle, it's the yeah. whole the whole suggestion of we're getting into almost gothic horror. Yeah, then, which I mean, which I think I think they could have done more with. Right. Um, I mean, it does really end up being. This season's the ambassadors of death in kind of you know unit going full on havoc, right. um, attack on the mm-hmm. castle, etc., etc., etc. I think the idea that you're draining people's minds Evil. is great. I don't think it, I don't mm-hmm. think they really exploit that in the way that they could have done to make it truly horrific, which is fair mm-hmm. enough. So the Keller machine, I think what is there, it's trying to remove evil. the evil or the negative impulses from a person's mind and it leaves them childlike and that the the alien that lives in the Keller machine then feeds off this fear and becomes more powerful and is able to use that fear to attack, you know, not only other people but also the doctor and that that kind of is horrific or uh, you know uh, a horror type trope of of our hero being attacked by the monster no absolutely absolutely (laughs) uh claws of axos what's what what would you say about claws of axos i mean i i find that more uh, it's more kind of wacky and psychedelic than horrific i mean you could see how it could be yeah i think it's um, I don't think it's, it's horror. I think it's fully it's psychedelic. It's fully designed to show off how the BBC, how TV in color is better than TV mm-hmm. in black and white. Is what is mm-hmm. what the clause of access is basically. Right. Yeah. So, I, clause of access definitely not horror. I don't think we get. I I don't think we see a return of horror until we see the demons. So okay. It's... Now I'm going to disagree there. I'm going to I'm going to okay. talk about co- Colony in Space because I have a lot of time for Colony in Space. All right. It has two pieces of kind of very disturbing to me kind of abject horror in it. The first of which is the sadistic relationship between the uh the company um between mm-hmm. IMC and the colonists. Um, right. And I think as originally written, as far as I have read about this show, that the uh, the captain of the IMC spacecraft, not going to remember his name, was originally written as a female part. And I, I again, as I understand it, let's kind of spike that because they realized that, you know, if he was going to, if this female captain was going to be dressed in black leather and was kind of walking around oppressing all these groveling colonists, that really would be like mm-hmm. the sadism would be completely out there. So there's a very, very kind of. So, so, so cast Morris Perry exactly, instead. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, which actually kind of. It's okay. So there's a very unpleasant sadomasochistic relationship. Um, okay. I think in in that show, which I think is is certainly horrible, I mm-hmm. also find that the again the abject nature of the of the of the inha- of the aliens of the of the inhabitants of um I can never pronounce it Uxarius, where they you know they've been they were an advanced civilization that was drained down to a kind of wizened savagery by the kind of hubris of their super science very much mm-hmm. like the Exelons um, further f- mm-hmm. further in. And again, I think he's a, I think he's a, it's kind of a horrible concept. And, See, and again, mm-hmm. has this kind of sadomasochistic element to it, which again, I find to be present in a lot of the more interesting horror. See, I, I interpreted it more probably through, well, as a, as a Western. Oh, okay. All right. With you have, we had, you had, you had the settlers 
and then you had the mining company wanting to get the settlers land and then you have the natives there which had this ancient ancient magical oh yeah okay yeah all right powers they're like indians and you have the master wanting right. to get his hands on the ancient magical powers so edward curtis right yeah yeah, that's another interpretation. Um, you see it as, because you're an American, you see it as a Western. Um, yeah, more cow- a, cowboys and Indians. Because I'm a pervy European, I see it <laughs> as some kind of like Italian sadomasochistic, um, uh, you know, people getting whipped and stuff uh, show. But anyway, that's my view on <laughs> that. That's where we differ on Colony of Space. But you are correct. As soon as we slam straight into the demons, I mean, it's a horror movie. It's, you know, it's the devil and, you know. Witchcraft. Witchcraft. There's a witch. You're, I mean, a you're, playing, you're playing with many of the horror tropes. That you, you're in a tomb opening a barrow at midnight. You know, it's yeah. a sto- dark and stormy night. It's Beltane. It's the greatest yeah. occult festival of the year by Halloween. You know, black magic. So, Exactly, satanic, satanic rituals and catacombs beneath a church. Evil vicars. Right. This is material right in the cut from the same cloth as the Wicker Man. Wicker Man, yep. And I think, I think if I'm probably getting this wrong, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think if you look at the calendar that is on the wall of the pub in the Wicker Man mm-hmm. on the island of Summer Isle in the Hebrides. I think it's apparent that the demons is taking place at roughly the same time oh, wow. um, as the Wicker Man <laughs> is taking place. So at the same time that, our, that, that poor old Sergeant Howie is getting the runaround from Lord Summer Isle in mm-hmm. the Highlands of Scotland, the, off the islands off the, off the coast of Scotland, the Doctor is trying to save human civilization from an attack by the devil. <laughs> so. Well, someone will no no doubt correct me, but I, I think I think that's the case. I think there's a I think there's a one brief shot of a calendar mm-hmm. um, on the wall of the pub in um, in the Wicker Man. We don't see this type of English witchcraft stories much beyond the seventies. Folk horror, yeah, right. I mean, there's been kind of a revival in the last uh, maybe decade, but really, this is what horror was in the nineteen seventies in Britain with the small town. Ancient, yep. evil, witchcraft. Children of the Stones. Yep. Yeah. 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 The blood on Satan's claw. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, the whole folk horror thing of the 70s, which, again, is very, very close to my heart because, of course, that's when I was growing up. And we have Joe playing the traditional female role mm. in these horror movies as a, a virginal maiden to be sacrificed. Oh, Joe. Yeah, I love Joe. Um, we have... I think she... Yep. And, you know, we have... The master again, being the tyrant, the villain, the you know the like you said, the evil vicar, and it just it's an really vicar. it's like it's pushing all the horror trope buttons for the demons. And again, the novelization, which is I think again by um, uh, novelization written by Barry Letts. Barry Letts wrote it. I think it's kind of instructive that. In the novelization, I think this speaks to what we were talking about. I'm going off on a tangent, but it speaks to what we were talking about earlier on about how, you know, essentially these white middle class men were writing from their own experience and their own conservatism. Mm -hmm. Um, He talks about the vicar, um, vicar magister. Um, the Reverend Magister as being one of those trendy vicars you know, who doesn't really believe in God and, you know, talks about socialism and stuff like that, rather than a traditional proper English vicar, mm-hmm. which is kind of indicative of how the Reverend Magister is, is a, you know, he's, he's definitely the wrong sort. Mm-hmm. Definitely the wrong sort. <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, I love the demons. Brilliant. Yep, yep. It's 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 awesome. It's it's basically it's a hammer. It's hammer horror for kids. And right. Who, who doesn't think that's awesome? <laughs> I don't. Just thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> no, that's good. Going to the next season, we begin in an old mansion with a uh, ghosts. MP seeing ghosts. <laughs> yep. 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 It's 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 not. Again, I mean, again, if you if I want to go back to my whole sadomasochistic thing, I mean, there's an abject aspect to the Daleks' conquest, which I find very satisfying. Uh, and I think I've said this before. I think it's a full the the fact that we have the Daleks having you know fully conquered and subjected uh, the Earth to their rule is a very much a 1984. Um, you know, the kind of famous the 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 boot stamping on a human face forever. Hmm. The Daleks basically have crushed the human race for no readily apparent reason other than the fact that crushing the human race is something that they want to do mm-hmm. um which i find again deeply disturbing in a kind of psychosexual way um which again makes it kind of horrific for me mm-hmm. whether that works whether that worked worked for kids i've no idea but it's certainly i find it's I working find for very, you I, it's <laughs> definitely working for me definitely working for me yes <laughs> So is there any other horror stories in the Pertwee era? You know, I, I I wouldn't, I think Day of the Daleks has some horror tropes in it. It certainly starts out that way, but it doesn't, it, it's not a horror film unless, unless no. what you're saying. No, I, not really. I mean, I think again, similarly with Curse of Peladon, again, starts out in a, you know, a, dark and stormy a, night, dark and stormy night. It's in a castle, you know, it may as well be Dracula's castle, but it happens to be, you know, the castle of the King of Peladon. Uh, mm-hmm. Instead, um, it's it's David Tran's castle. Instead, um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, the Sea Devils also has a castle in it, right. um, wherein dwells the villain. But that's more kind of you know a romp, really. It's right. more an adventure, adventure stories. I think the mutants has a good dollop of body horror in it um, with you know, the, the transformation, transform- yeah. the transformation, and the obviously the uh, the pain that the actors convey through that trans- transformation is horrific mm-hmm. but again it's a morality story about colonialism rather than a horror movie and the time monster you know i absolutely love it but it's, it's a romp it's, it's, it's more of a romp again it's it's i mean i think someone i can't remember who described it it's, it's basically it's doctor who the movie you know it's <laughs> got everything in it you know and it's got time travel and everyone does it everyone does a turn mm-hmm. it's like it's as if they wrote they wrote doctor who the movie and it's great and i think it's awesome but it's not really particularly hor- horrific right with forward to see season 10 three doctors three doctors now we have if you look at omega as the villain or the madman in the castle it is kind of horrific with what happens to him but he's also kind of a sympathetic character as well too and i'm not sure that the three doctors is that of horror it's more celebratory of the three doctors i think the only really horrific moment and again i think it's an it's a moment of abject horror is when is when we you know omega finally realizes you know what he how impossible his situation is and right. how much he has lost mm-hmm. in order to be who he is and how he can never escape. I mean, that's a, that's a moment of personal abject horror for right. him, but it's, again, it's not really a horror story. Yeah. Though, of course, if you read the, the novelization, you know, Omega, again, he, you know, he, he's a villain who lives in a big castle. Right. Um, so again, you know, it's Dracula and Dracula's castle. Right. And um, who can't see his own reflection. <laughs> who can't see his own reflection. He's kind of a space vampire. Yeah. Like the axons. 
that we're not seeing the level of horror that we're seeing with the demons with the full uh, use of the yeah, tropes yeah, the, of the genre. Yeah, yeah. Similarly, I think with Carnival Monsters, Frontier in Space, and Planet of the Daleks, I think you're really, I think you're kind of scraping the barrel for horror there. Mm-hmm. Um, not until uh, the Green Death. Not until the Green Death, which you know, for all its, you know, it has. Uh, I could do a whole, whole episode of our podcast on the on the Green Death. <laughs> it is effing horrific. Mm-hmm. You know, those maggots are disgusting. Well, just the way it starts out, we have this miner going down to check the mine. You see him coming up. He's throbbing and pulsating in this green phosphorus. And, you know, it's just, it's horrific. And then he rings the alarm. They rush up to the pit and they see see what's happened to him. And it's it's horrific. You have, the, is, you have this yeah. mystery that in, say, a Hammer film would have been some kind of something supernatural in the Barry Letts, Terrence Dix era, it's chemicals. It's, you know, it's, it's something man-made that's horrific. That's causing the horror, but it's nonetheless a horror story. Absolutely. And again, you know, if you wound your way back to my, my prep school in, you know, 1973, when I would have been, uh, you know, six or seven years old, we just, the the whole game of tag or it as we called it when when you touch someone they become it was so in in just just rejuvenated by the green death because of course you had the green death and you touched mm-hmm. someone and they had the green death and it was just it was just the greatest the greatest thing what again what is wonderful about green death you have the disgust and they really are horrible. You know, the way the, the maggot squirms across the floor to mm-hmm. attack Joe, you know, again, in virginal, you know, white. And right. she's, going to get, and she's going to get married by the end of the episode. So, you know, she's literally a bride right. um, of being attacked by this kind of ambulatory penis, um, you know, <laughs> covered in green slime. Whoa. I mean, yeah, this is this is awesome stuff. And then, of course, you're you you have mind control um, with boss. Bosses, you have a whole another amazing plot, which right. is about mind, mind control and taking over the world with a crazy computer. Mm-hmm. And the crazy computer again, boss is it's not it's not a kind of boring, you know, Wotan war game, um, war machines computer. It's it's literally boss is literally mm-hmm. a crazy computer, and he you know he talks he you know quotes Nietzsche and is uh, again a kind of sadomasochistic. Domin, you know, a, domineering a, a, tyrant. A dominate, you know, he's he's it's again. You know, one could we should rewind and talk about the master. You know, again, I thought full, brought out very very well by Russell T Davis the the kind of pseudo sexual relationship between you know a man who calls himself the master and a man who calls himself the doctor. Um, you know, the boss calls himself the boss, and he's very much he's a he's a he's a dominatrix or the dominator a yes. dominator of some kind. You mm-hmm. know. Uh, very, very creepy. Very, very scary. And this was the personality. Stevens was the one who programmed Boss. This is Stevens. What Stevens wanted. This is what so, Stevens wanted. So you and the relationship. Very... You know, the, the the the. I think the definitely the kind of homosexual relationship, the same sex relationship between Boss and Stevens. Uh, you know, something that Steve, a creature that Stevens made, uh, who then dominates him. You know, again, it's the Frankenstein relationship, but it also it's a very, very disturbing sexual relationship as well. And we have you know, another horror trope with, you know, even though the Welsh are very stereotypically portrayed, we have the whole idea of the little village. And yep. 
you know, we have the hippies, again, another stereotype, but you have, you know, the villagers. You have with, uh, is, it, is it Global Chemicals? Yeah. As set up to be the the castle with the tyrant in the castle. Yep. And that's yep. causing the horror down in the pits. Exactly. And then you have wonderful piece of, you know, kind of class solidarity where the working class, the miners unite with a idealistic middle class, the kind of hippies of the nuthatch mm-hmm. to, you know, take down the literal boss um, the ruling class. Um, it's just, it's the Green Death is just amazing. The whole, the whole thing is, mm-hmm. is, is the greatest show, basically. Right, and you, like you said, you there are set scary pieces like with the maggot approaching Joe, or mm-hmm. with the the th- the horror of what happens to the bodies once they're infected by the maggots, and yeah. we have a return of the giant monsters that we saw in the 1960s of giant insects with the giant. Uh, 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 fly, fly, yeah, <laughs> fly. I, I actually like that fly. People say the fly is no good. I think it's pretty convincing. Mm-hmm. Um, what doesn't convince me, unfortunately, is the unit helicopter, which I think is is pretty pathetic. Um, I would, I, I, I find that more jarringly <laughs> ineffective than the fly. I'm afraid. I think the unit helicopter was just like you know some agricultural crop spraying helicopter that they've got and painted it, unit on the yeah, side. Yeah, they've gone well. <laughs> The budget, anyway. they don't have the same budget they had in the earlier 60s with uh, the invasion or, I, I, I or spent l- enemy I of the world. I would have spent less on, on, on making that fly and hired a better helicopter. <laughs> and then you could have dangled the fly from the helicopter. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, Green Death, it's, it's just a horror show all the way through. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, ends up with kind of a beautiful... You know, elegy to uh, the power of love, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and the doctor's loneliness in the universe. Um, it's just, it's super. It's, it's really, it's, it's in my top. Mm-hmm. It's in my top three, I think, of all Doctor Who series. So it's, it's a goodie. It's a good one, and it's, uh, it's horror. So we have uh, some really strong contenders of horror, and surprisingly, I think they're coming from Let's. You would have, they are coming from Let's, yeah, and and Slowman. So that yeah. that though the demons is, I think the Green Death is a better story, better better crafted story than right. the demons. Right. But they're both dipping heavily into the horror genre to tell their story. Absolutely, 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 absolutely. So we say goodbye to Joe and we say hello to Sarah. And yes, the, do we have any horror that Sarah Jane experienced in the time with John Pertwee? Well, I think there's nothing kind of. Uh, I think the most overtly horror trope using. Uh, one would be, of course, be Death to the Daleks, um, hmm. you know, which has, you know, human sacrifice and people tied to altars and chanting monks and it's all dark and, you know, our house that we think is safe is actually kind of, you know, falling down and oppressed. Uh, right. I mean, it all goes pretty pear-shaped by episode four when Terry realizes he doesn't really know how to end it. Right. But I think, you know, the setup is 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 definitely, definitely a whole set of horror stuff. So, we're, again, this the show is playing with some of the, the ideas of horror, but it's not a horror show. No, I mean, I think, I mean, I think, I think the first couple of episodes definitely... Um, um, I it's think pretty. Until, it's pretty spooky. With um, it's pretty spooky. I think. I think until 
I think it's episode is it episode two where where um Sarah escapes from being sacrificed by the Exilons. I can't remember. But anyway, as soon as she escapes and, you know, we, we get into kind of chase mode and it all becomes a bit Eric Von Daniken, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, def- it's, definitely, it's definitely a horror movie for me, or at least a scary movie, a scary movie. Mm-hmm. And we have the gothic set up again with the return to Peladon and the monster of Peladon. Yep. But yep. it's not, it, we've, we've touched on this earlier, it's, it's a political drama. It's, yeah. not a, it's not a horror film. Yeah. Similarly, of course, with Invasion of the Dinosaurs, which you know plays with being post-apocalyptic in some kind of way and has the kind of John Wyndham uh, home counties apocalypse feel to it, but eventually it becomes what is in fact you know, and we can obviously at some point we should probably talk about politics in Doctor Who again. Um, it becomes a very very interesting political fable, but not necessarily one that's particularly horrific. Right, and that's uh, the season finale. You know, I was surprised that you didn't think The Planet of the Spiders, or maybe you do think The Planet of the Spiders is a horror. Oh, I do. Absolutely, no, absolutely I do. And again, if we if we wind back to my seven, seven-year-old self, when we'd finished infecting each other with, um, with Green Death, <laughs> we then started Move on sitting, to spiders. <laughs> we moved on to spiders, and I can distinctly remember sitting around... Um, in a circle in the classroom during break time, trying to conjure up giant spiders by going on Maddy Paddy Hum, which I, th- I don't think was Barry Lett's intention. No. That we should co-opt that Buddhist chant to actually conjure up spiders, but that was our that, that that's what we were trying to do. We have horrific elements with the spider and the summoning of the spiders. Spiders are horrible, and well, people hate spiders. I like spiders myself, but you know, for people who don't like spiders, this is a pretty brutal mm-hmm. episode. But uh, and the, we have the, the queen spider, the great spider, which is pretty horrific. But I, I don't know. I guess you could make an argument that we're d- using some of the horror tropes, especially on uh, was it? Me- it is it is Metabilis, where Metabilis, our home planet. Metabilis three, where right the, where, the next door planet, yeah, to our, our neighbor, planet, yeah, our neighbor, our neighboring planets. <laughs> with well, so we have the we have the village. And the, the kind of the hippie commune village being controlled by the spiders. We have the spiders' uh, guards who carry them on these uh, uh-huh. pedestals, on these cushions. Yeah. Yes, and I'm 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 sorry. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the sex place again, and I'm gonna <laughs> say, yeah, you know, these the the spiders are all females. Mm-hmm. They are all dominating females who have the predominantly male colonists completely controlled. It's a it's a dominatrix culture. Hmm. Um, and they're super creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly, you know, the great one is a kind of a boss level. And by boss, I'm referring to boss from the Green Death. It's right. a, She's a boss level psychotic. And there are very strong sadistic elements and psychosexual elements throughout Planet of the Spiders, which again, make it horrific in, you know, particular kind of kind of, I suppose, you know, European cinema mm-hmm. ways. I think there's the horrific elements to it, but I don't think it's produced to emphasize that and just the indulging of pertwee in the middle of the chase with all the different vehicles and stuff it's it's well it is a goodbye to the pertwee era with all the elements that made the pertwee era great but by doing so i'm not sure you actually truly get a horror story like you did with the demons or in the green death because of the, the female, the very strongly female nature of these spiders mm. and because of the sadistic relationship that they have with the colonists, I would connect it to European, Italian, kind of Gallo, um horror cinema where, you know, there is a there, there are these 
sexual relationships, uh, which are not, you know, they're, they're pseudo-sexual relationships. They're not actually sexual, but they have they have a sexual basis um, okay. between between the various communities in the in the um, in the in the in the episode, which I find kind of horrific. <laughs> okay, well, I think we're speaking or frightening anyway. Well, you know, one of the one of the premises is the the writers wrote what terrified them, and so we have Let's perhaps Let's and Slowman, and definitely Terrence Dix with this backlash or this uh, mockery or fear of strong Women. female feminism characters, at least being made fun of overtly mm-hmm. in the Time Monster. Sarah Jane is certainly set up and taken taken down a peg if we go and last Let's Produce show with Miss Winters and uh, feminist Sarah Jane thinks that Mr. Jericho is the leader of Think Tank and not uh, Miss Winters. And again, I mean, I think I think, you know, Miss Winters is a is a very just completely overt Mm -hmm. dominatrix figure. Again, we, we need to look to the writers and we need to look at their whiteness. And their middle agedness and their maleness um, <laughs> and their age, they write about the things that scare them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're obviously scared of spiders. I think they're also scared of women as well. Could be, which is yeah. a long way. Well, if we, if we look at the, the Gatiss uh, biodrama of uh, Venture in Space and Time, uh-huh. there was certainly that uh, fear of women in BBC. Fear of female planet. Yep. Well, you know, fear, fear, fear of the female producer. <laughs> fear, fear of a female producer. I mean, wasn't it? Wasn't it the case that um, I think the original Spider that was developed by the special effects department was kind of nixed by Barry Letts as being too frightening, so they had to come up with some less scary spiders. <laughs> I don't know that. I've I've not actually seen a picture of what the original <laughs> Spider would look like, but you know the spiders they did come up with were pretty intimidating and mm-hmm. what was awesome to me again as, as being a kid is they were exactly like the spiders that i would see running around our house mm-hmm. and in our backyard only they were giant so again right back to the maggots again these right. are these are, these are creatures that i would account encounter on a daily basis familiar um, monsters in the bathtub that's exactly the kind of spider you always find in the bath and you have to fish it out <laughs> and throw it out the window and then it would just crawl back in again um it's you, you know can't stop them <laughs> they're, they're, they're literally unstoppable um, and they're also women uh, which makes them kind of icky and frightening too <laughs> <laughs> well, okay <laughs> putting, putting my Barry Letts hat on there a little bit or, or my Terence Dix hat actually I think he's more of a more of a, um, a, a, a misogynist than, um, than Letts was or a joke misogynist anyway. mm-hmm. I think it's often hard to get a reading on Terence Dix because I think he he's a showman and I think he says <laughs> Says exactly. things for effect, for, for exactly. effect or reaction. So, exactly. Exactly. if you no, I think he's been happily married for many years. Mm-hmm. So you know, although I, you can you can be scared of women and be married. I mean, it's entirely that's entirely possible. <laughs> uh, but you know, yeah, it's a funny. It's I don't know. I think the BBC was a funny boys' club mm-hmm. for a very very long time, and it was beginning to change in the seventies. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of that kind of middle class white men were like, ah, oh, where are all these women coming from? This is frightening and intimidating, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know. They're knocking on the door of our boys' club. Yeah, we don't like it, and uh, spiders. <laughs> so we've uh, set the stage for the classic spiders' legs, uh, Hinchcliffe and Holmes era, which we'll talk about next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I really, I mean, again, for those, 
of our listeners who have not fully experienced the Pertwee era, um, it is my favourite era, I think. <laughs> and she says so much good stuff in it. And if you haven't, if you've not experienced the just sheer joy of the Green Death or the Planet of the Spiders or any of them or, mm-hmm. you know, Death to the Daleks or any Pertwee, just, just go and watch it because they're brilliant. All <laughs> of them. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Fun to talk about. Oh, good. Well, I think we've come to the end of another another stonking episode yeah, of the okay. Metabilis 2. Yes, I've been David. And I've been Ben. And good night. A very good night to you all. Don't get frightened by spiders or maggots. All right. Thank you. Woo. <laughs> 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 it's a maggot. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Thank you for listening to the Metabilis 2 podcast. You can reach us with email at metabilis2, as a number two, at gmail.com or on Twitter at metabilis2. And again, that's a number two. Hope to hear from you. Bye.